0: Typically, according to the dictionary taken, regularly to maintain or restore good health. It's the only reason I would walk. <laughs> anyway, I had to get off on the subject. My wife said something about the Steinbarts, which we mentioned this morning in Sunday school as we were taking prayer requests. Steinbarts, many probably don't know much about them or remember much about them. They're missionaries in Africa. They did share our call, their calling with our church back I would say a couple years ago before they headed to the field for the first time, this is their first, if you would, tour of duty, okay, on the field. Uh, Anyway, as he closed the letter, he did ask for prayer uh, because his wife is expecting their child is due uh, in February. Uh, By the way, he also mentioned the fact the family recently had measles. It went through the entire family and his wife as well had them and, uh, and I know, so they've already been through a few things uh, at the, you know, at the time when he was sharing this. And they says, now they've been informed that the government, December 21st, has made a deadline for residents to be vaccinated for uh, for COVID. Uh, after that time, no unvaccinated person, according to them, will be able to use public transportation, go to restaurants, shop at stores. Uh, it doesn't seem, use any hospital, they even said. Uh, so... They're in a quandary what to do for, I think, a number of reasons. I believe you would probably understand that. Uh, the first would be the safety of the vaccine itself, um, especially because we do understand and we do know that uh, there have been some questions about the effects of, on, of the, on a child on baby in the womb, uh, on pregnancy and, and, and things like that. They're concerned about the the government because the government where they're at and where they're serving is very corrupt and they don't know whether there even will be a safe vaccine even if there is a safe vaccine. And I know we're not getting off on that subject. I'm just trying to explain what's going on here, okay? Um, They're concerned what it means as well for those uh, who might come and try to help out when the child is born because if they can't do anything to be of help and if they're, you know, forced to stay in in the house or whatever, they may not be able to even come, and then they may not be able to be a help. So, there's a lot of things going going on with them now. When she shared that, I I was reminded of all our missionaries. Uh, there's a lot that are facing many crisis situations because of what's going on, uh, not just with with COVID, but a lot of it is involved with the matter of COVID and what's taking place. A lot have to make some very uh, maybe even momentous decisions in regard to what they're supposed to do and what they're going to do. And we need to pray with these people. We need to pray for them because they're faced with some tough decisions and some things that are very hard that they have to deal with because they're in a foreign land and they need they do need to, um, you know, they, they, they need to follow the laws that are there or they're going to be kicked out. So um, those are things to pray for. Now, I, I didn't say that so I could share a prayer request or just tell the story this morning. Because the first thing that came out of my mouth when we were taking our walk is, wow, that's a tough situation. That's, you know, what you would normally say. And then something kind of dawned on me. And I made a statement that my wife didn't respond to, and I didn't suspect she would because it actually was related to the message this morning. I said this, to my, I said this out loud. They're facing a faith moment. Again, I don't think she caught that statement, or maybe she did, but we didn't really talk much more about it. Um, In my mind, I began to ponder the passage uh, that we're going to look at today in Mark chapter 4, and I was struck with the truth that God puts us many times in life in faith moments. And I hope you will see that truth. It's an important one to understand, and it was a lesson that the disciples had to learn. And the only way they would learn was through a storm that came on the water. The Bible tells us in verse 35 of Mark 4, And the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey? It? What manner of man is this? What a great God we serve. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see from the word of God Not only how great you are, and what a wonderful story this is, uh, reminding us that there is a mighty God in heaven that's greater than any difficulty we'd ever face. But help us to see, Father, that the difficulties of life are indeed faith moments. They're opportunities, opportunities for your people to exercise faith in your word. And I pray that you'd stir us with that truth, It should help us to understand what's going on in this passage and and more clearly understand the truth we ought from it. And I will thank you for what you'll do as we look at a very familiar story in Jesus' name. Amen. You've probably heard this story if you grew up in church. You definitely heard this story as a child, I know, because you always, want, you always think of these are the exciting stories in the Bible, right? The stories in the life of Christ and, and things that happened, amazing things that took place that prove the mighty power of God. But I do want you to know that this story, what, there was another perspective of the story. It was the perspective of the disciples. And at the moment they were in the storm, it wasn't all that much fun. It was a very difficult time that they faced. And today I'd like you to take a look once again at that story. I'm not going to animate the story like I would for kids, although you'd probably appreciate that if I did. And we're not going to walk through the story like we might and put up flannel graph pictures, I know, this morning. But this story is an important story for us to learn the truth no matter what age we may be. Children need to hear that there's a God in heaven that's bigger than their problems. Adults need to hear that. But adults also need to have a proper perspective. And there are many other lessons to glean from this passage. So today, we have opportunity to look at this story. The the first, if you would, story with Jesus and the disciples where he uh, he is teaching them an important lesson from an actual event that takes place in their lives and in their experience And so let's see. first of all, it's a story about real problems. It's a story about real problems. We find that in verses 35, 36, 37, and 38. Uh, And um, in verse 35, we find the responsibility. Jesus had been speaking throughout the day. It was the same day. It was later in the day when evening was come. He had been ministering. He had been having a ministry amongst the people. Remember, he's been through Galilee now. He's been traveling. And, uh, and at times, many times, it seems like he would go out in a boat. They would push the boat out a little bit from, from land, and he would speak to the people as he sat in the boat. And he would speak to thousands of people. By the way, we read in another place where this story is told, that uh, the disciples were involved in sending the people home. So I guess, you know, we come to the end of our teaching time. It's coming to the end of the day, and Jesus uh, tells the men, look, let us go over to the other side. And when he tells them that, the disciples go, and they start to disperse the crowd. Go home, people. No more lessons today. We're done for the day. And Jesus gave them a responsibility. Now, that responsibility was very simple. If you were to look in the book of Matthew, you'd find these words. Now, when Jesus saw the great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. So again, he's come to the end of the day. He's come to the end of his teaching. And although there were great multitudes and he could have still had a ministry amongst them, there was something else that needed to be done. There was a lesson that needed to be learned. There was a faith moment that needed to be experienced that wouldn't be experienced if Jesus stayed there and taught. It wouldn't be experienced by by these disciples who needed to know a lesson about God. And so God gives them a responsibility. A responsibility, by the way, that's going to put them in the midst of a storm that they can do nothing about. And so we have the responsibility given to them, a clear command, a command with expectation. They were going to go to the other side. And that expectation, notice the statement in verse 35. I like the way it's worded here because it says, let us pass over unto the other side. So look, Jesus gives uh, an an order here. He gives a command. He says, hey, we're going to go and we're going to travel to the other side. Now, what do you expect is going to happen? We're going to travel to the other side. This is Jesus speaking, people. You understand that, right? So they're given this responsibility. Few details given about their, their task. They got rid of the crowd. Uh, verse 36 says, when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. Oh, you know, it's amazing how those, in, uh, those commentators want to get off on all sorts of subjects about this. He was in the same boat he was in, okay, when he, told, when he was teaching them from the boat. And so he's in this boat, He's going to leave with, with the boat. The disciples obviously get out, disperse the crowds, and then they get back in the boat and they're ready to head to the other side. Now, here's the reality. Not only, the, the if you would, the responsibility they had, but here's the reality. In fulfilling the will of God, as they took care of their responsibility, a problem arose which they had no control over. A problem arose that they couldn't prepare for. In fact, if you look at the story, it's kind of interesting because many times, at least in my mind, I had this picture of a storm that came in the sense that it was a rainstorm, thunder, lightning, and things like that. Isn't that the picture you have in your mind? It's not what it says. It was a wind storm. So, you say, well, well, why is that significant? I would say probably partially because I would suspect the disciples probably wouldn't have had an idea that a rainstorm was going to come. I mean, they, these men, Andrew and, and Peter and James and John, lived on the sea. They were fishermen by trade. They would know, this, they would know the sky. They would know if storms were coming. They would know if something was, was on the horizon. There's a good picture or at least a good idea that they would have said Lord don't you understand what's going to happen here look there's a storm coming there's a storm brewing it looks like it's going to come real soon it would be wise if we don't go but that's not what happened this was a windstorm someone described that the winds would come off and off the the mountains across the sea of Galilee and they would create great swells and that was what was going on in this passage and I'm starting to wonder if I was taught wrong as a kid Okay, now I'm not going to go back and look at all those flannographs and see if there's rain in the storm or whatever. Because the Bible describes how water started to come up over the boat. And it was, it was a, a storm and a wind that was so great that was causing a problem. And it was a problem that they couldn't have prevented, they couldn't have prepared for, they couldn't have been ready for. Because it just came up, if you would, out of nowhere. It was totally unexpected. And if we're going to apply this to our lives today, let's understand something because I think there is a great application that a lot of times in life as we're doing the will of God and fulfilling our God-given responsibilities that God sometimes puts in our path storms, things that we can't control, things that we can't even expect or we can't prepare for, we don't know are coming. We wouldn't have known they were coming if, if, you know, unless we had divine wisdom from above, and, and maybe an ability to see into the future which we don't have. And so here are some people that doing their responsibility for God, face the reality that in that problems come. Look, I, this is really deep. I know I don't want to imp- I'm trying to impress you with my great knowledge today, but problems are a fact of life. Problems come. And <laughs> now, if you don't know that yet, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help you. I suspect you know that very well in life, but problems come that we have no control over. And sometimes we may be doing the will of God. We may be doing exactly what God wants us to do, but problems just come. And note this, this problem wasn't a small problem, it was a big one. The winds, again, were such that the waves were coming up over the side, threatening their safety. And I remind you again, these were, a number of them were fishermen. Now, I'd understand if, what, Matthew was afraid, I mean, you know, he was, he was a tax collector. I, I would understand if, if Judas was afraid. Um, you know, I would understand if a lot of the other disciples were, like, kind of falling apart. But we're talking about men that should know better. Uh, men that would have said, hey, guys, look, the winds will stop, I'm sure. The truth is, someone should have said something else. But here's what happened. Like is common in every situation... They had a problem they couldn't do anything about. It was a big problem, and they got afraid. It would take a lot to make fishermen anxious, but they were. As water is pouring over them and coming over the boat and coming over their, their heads, they had a crisis that they couldn't do anything about. Have you ever had a crisis hit you like that? Just out of the blue. Something you didn't expect, you never thought would happen. A situation that came without notice but threatened your life, safety, and plans. And what we see in this story is that they were completely helpless to do anything about it. You know, you can't stop wind. And you can't stop waves. I suspect you can bail. You know, they they could take a bucket if they had it. Who knows what the situation exactly was like on that boat. But they really couldn't do anything to change their circumstances, to resolve the problem, to do anything about it. They were just helpless. And so what was the result? Look at verse 38. What was the result? Well, they were controlled by the circumstances. Where do you see that in verse 38? Well, Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? They were consumed by, they were overcome with fear. Jesus said so. You see it in verse 40. Uh, in verse 40. Jesus said, why are ye so fearful? In fact, it's interesting because that isn't the normal word for fear found in the Bible. The word for fear found in the Bible most frequently is phobia. But Jesus didn't say that they had a phobia. He didn't use the word phobia in that that verse. Jesus said when they were fearful, the word for fearful means they were timid. They were faithless. That is the idea of that word. So, here they come to a situation. The problem comes, and it is a faith moment then. And they don't have faith. They failed God. The result, they were controlled by the storm. They looked at, or they they felt the winds. They felt the water. They saw the situation. They observed what was going on, and as they looked at all around them, they said, we are in trouble rather than listening to what God had said. They were controlled, consumed by, overcome with fear. And before we jump all over them for that, that often is the same thing that happens to us. By the way, um, in this case, it was fear. There are other things that aren't mentioned in our story. Worry, depression, discouragement, defeat, wow, we could probably come up with a ton of different ways people respond to crisis situations that come their way that are all wrong. And Jesus Christ ends up rebuking them in this story. Can I remind you of that? Because they didn't need to be controlled by the winds or the water or the problem that was bigger than they could control. And nor do you or I. So we have the story. We have the story about real problems, a responsibility, a reality, a situation they couldn't control, a result where they were controlled by, consumed by, and overcome with fear. And in that state of panic, they go to Jesus who was asleep. Now, shouldn't that tell you something about the whole situation? Someone wasn't controlled by the wind. Someone wasn't controlled by the storm. He was in the same storm. You say, well, he was asleep. Why do you suppose he was asleep? Because he wasn't controlled by the circumstances. And I'm thankful that we don't have to be either. So we have this story. We have a story where people resort to common proclivities. Don't you like that word? But if I'm going to alliterate, I had to go with proclivity, all right? We just stated these things, but let me share them again because they're common. It's things that human beings do. We respond to crisis situations many times. With reactions that are wrong. And I've mentioned some of them. Worry, despair, despondency, depression, discouragement. And in this case, it's the matter of fear. Um, There are two things that we see in this passage. First of all, and the first thing that it led them to do was they questioned God's care. Look at verse 38. And by the way, they never said, Master, we're afraid. It was obvious. Did you know what he said? Master, do you care? Do you not find that to be an interesting question? Master, do you care about us? Don't you know what's going on? Don't you observe? Look, Lord, we thought you knew everything. This is a, 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 a... Seems like a, a, a doubt on these people. How often, though, do we resort to those kind of practices in our trouble? Why are you doing this to me, Lord? What wrong have I done? Do you know what I'm going through? Come on. You, oh, you would never say that out loud, but have you ever said that to the Lord in your heart? Are you aware of the pain I'm experiencing here? Why me? Do you even care about the predicament I'm in? I don't know what questions come to your mind in difficulty, but I know this, that in difficulty, your mind wants to play tricks on you and will lead you often to start to question whether God really cares or not. So they questioned God's care. They were controlled by fear. In dealing with the common proclivities, one person wrote this, the disciples scream Jesus' dreams. Thunder roars, Jesus snores. He doesn't doze, catnap, or rest. he slumbers. The person then wrote about the question they asked, the disciples. He said, they did not ask about Jesus' strength. Can you still the storm? They didn't ask about his knowledge. Are you aware of the storm? They didn't ask about his know-how. Do you have any experience with storms, Lord? But rather, they raised doubts about Jesus' character. Do you not care? Fear does that. Fear corrodes our confidence in God being good. If God can sleep in our storms, if his eyes stay shut when our eyes grow wide, if he permits storms after we get on his boat, does he care? Fear He said, unleashes a swarm of doubts, anger, stirring doubts. Fear will always knock on the door. And he concluded by saying, just don't invite it in for dinner and for heaven's sake, don't offer it a bed for the night. The point is, and the fact is, that what the disciples did, although we want to condemn them just like the Lord Jesus Christ did, we do the same thing. Many times in circumstances that come our way, we look to heaven and we say, although we would never say it out loud to anyone else in our heart and maybe in our prayer, it's kind of like, Lord, do you care? Do you know how I hurt? Do you understand how I feel? Do you know what my situation is like? Do you realize how bad this is, Lord? Do you know that I can't do anything about this? And the Lord is shaking his head, yeah. Yeah. For every one of those, I know what's going on. I know what you're going through. In fact, that wind and storm, I'm in control of. I've got a plan for your life, God's saying. I know absolutely what's taking place. But those common practices that took place with these men, and again, it's easy for us to look and say, bad disciples, but... The truth is, God could probably point the finger at us many times and say the same. Because those are common proclivities, they truly are. The story reveals two perspectives. To say two perspectives, yes. The question that men brought out is Does God care? You know, in crisis situations, the focus often becomes about me. When I'm sick, the crisis becomes about. Me, when I have a problem, the crisis becomes about me. The focus becomes my situation, my life. In fact, sometimes when troubles come my way, that's all I can see. One of the reasons why people encourage others to get involved in serving and get involved in doing things that are depressed is because they've had a crisis, and the crisis has led them to think only about themselves. And they've so inwardly focused and so focused on themselves and their own situation, "God, do you care about me?" And that is one of the perspectives that has to go if we're going to serve God. God wants us to get our attention on something else, and not on ourselves. So the two perspectives, man's perspectives, does God care? What was God's perspective? Here's God's perspective. Do you have faith in me? You say, wait, is that really God's perspective? Yes. He said right after he calms the storm, why are you so fearful? Don't you have faith? Man says, God, do you care about me? And God says, do you have faith in me? two very different perspectives and I'll tell you this you won't make it through the storms of life right unless your perspective becomes God's the Steinbarts are facing a faith moment I I, I wouldn't want their problem I'm not making light of their problem it's a serious situation very serious. Could mean life and death for a baby. I understand that. This is, this is a, a, a crisis moment that they are in. And the truth is, we all face those. But the question we need to be asking is not, God, do you care about me? The question we need to be asking is, do I believe God? Do I have faith? Christ's situations are faith moments. And the disciples had opportunity in this difficulty to be like Jesus Christ and have faith. And as a result, become in the midst of it. say, well, why was this a faith moment? Look back at verse 35. In the same day when even was come, he saith unto them. What did he say? Let us pass over to the other side. Now, I know the disciples are, if you would, coming to the place where they understand Jesus is the Christ. By the way, he's already proved that over and over. I mean, day in and day out, he's been teaching the people and he's been healing people. So it's not, not like these disciples hadn't seen anything, didn't know anything, that they didn't know his ability. It's not as if this is the first event that took place in life. Actually, this is, a, this is one of those things where, hey, they've been with Jesus for a while now and they should know. They should know better. They should know who he is, and they should know if he told them something, then he would do it, and he would accomplish what he said. They should know that. But when the storm came, because this is a tendency in storms, they started to focus internally rather than to focus on, okay, God, this is a faith moment. Teach me. When they looked at the storm, they saw a problem with God. And God, though, saw it as an issue of faith because God had spoken his truth. Let us go over to the other side. And that should have been sufficient. It was enough for Jesus because he was asleep. But it wasn't for these men because their mind and their eyes got on the storm rather than on the truth of God, the word of God, the scriptures. That's right. He knew they were going to the other side. He told them so. And they needed to believe God. Look, in every storm of life, there is Bible truth to guide you and direct your steps. In every situation of life, every circumstance, every trial, there is Bible truth. Therefore, every test that comes your way is a faith moment. It's an opportunity for you. First of all, to dig into the Word of God and find out what God has said. What has the Lord said about my situation? What has God said about this circumstance? In fact, what problems should do, one of the first things it should do is drive you to the Word or drive you to Bible truth to say, what does God say about this matter? And and what does He teach me in His Word about the circumstances I'm going through? And if it's not a particular thing that we can point a finger to because I haven't read anything about a windstorm necessarily like the disciples didn't have anything, but there was something that God had told them and something that God had said that they could hang their hats on, they could have faith in, and it would have made all the difference in the world. If one of the disciples, just one of them had said to, to the other, you know, Jesus said, let us go to the other side and he's asleep. If Jesus is asleep and he's not worried about it, and he told us we're going to get to the other side, guess what? We're going to get to the other side. It was a faith moment. That's what God said, you going to believe me or or are you going to just let the circumstances and let the storm control your life? Our perspective in crisis situations of life need to change. We need to stop seeing problems from our own in our own selves and our own strength and we need to begin seeing that there's a God in heaven who's spoken. And this is a faith moment. Well, I believe what God has said. The story encourages new practices then. It really does. Let's kind of wrap things up with this. All right, first we need to stop fearful responses. We need to stop fearful responses. So in verse 38, we learn we've got to stop. If you would, refuse to entertain false notions. God, do you care about me? Why would you do this to me? I've been trying to live for you. I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm trying my best. Why would you do this to me now? Why this problem? Refuse to entertain false notions. The mind is a battleground of faith. It can lead you down the wrong path in trying times. And it's important that you do what Paul told the church at Corinth to do. He said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What I need to do in difficulties... Is not ignore them. Some people say Christians put their head in the stand, they ignore there's real problem. No, Christians don't ignore problems. Christians understand God's spoken about problems. And a wise Christian then finds out what God has spoken and trusts what God has said. In this passage, you can't get any better than this. It came from the lips of God himself. Let us go to the other side, gentlemen. And the one who gave the command was asleep because he knew that's where they were going. And as a Christian, I need to refuse to entertain false notions that lead me anywhere other than God has spoken and I'm going to trust him. Victory and storms of life depend upon mental exercise, really. So what's the mental exercise? Replace false notions, do you care, with truth. Let's go over to the other side. What has God said? What should I do in light of what God has said? And then act in faith upon it. Look, the truth is, difficulties of life are faith moments. You say, oh, come on, really, are they faith moments? Take a moment, take your Bible, turn to the book James chapter 1. Turn to James chapter 1. Because, you know, I've, I've given all sorts of reasons why problems come. In fact, the Bible talks about numerous reasons why difficulties come our way, and very few times in my preaching have I ever talked about problems being faith moments. But the fact of the matter is, this passage reveals it, and James talked about that very fact. Look in James chapter one, verse two, when he says, "My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations." You say, why would anyone in their right mind count problems joyful? And I I love it because he talks about varied problems. He talks They're multicolored. That actually is the way it's worded there. Multicolored problems. You have multicolored problems? I'm not talking about multicolored lights on your tree either. You have multicolored problems? You got all sorts of difficulties, right? They come from all different ways. You have no idea what's coming next. You don't know what kind of windstorm's coming next. You don't know what it's going to be. I understand that. We all have many problems. And God said... He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Well, why are we supposed to do that? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And you know what we focus on in these verses? We focus on patience because patience, if it has its perfect work, is going to make us perfect and entire wanting nothing. But he said it's the trial of your, not your patience, but your faith. Multicolored trials in life. James said, are a trial of your faith. Problems in life that you and I face are problems of our faith. They are faith moments. They are. Because God has spoken about every situation of life in some way. God has given instruction for every area of life. There is nothing that he leaves us without instruction and guidance about. So, what I need to do is stop allowing my mind to take me other places And I can do this with God's help and I need to begin to think on and redirect my fear to faith. I refuse to entertain false notions and I redirect my fear to faith because God said that problems, the multicolored problems that come are a trying of my faith. Am I going to believe God? So I need to redirect my fear. Go go back to our passage again. In Mark chapter 5, he said in verse 40, and he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, it's interesting because in verse 41, what do you read? And this is after the storm is gone. And they feared exceedingly. I, I wrote redirect your, your fear because you need to redirect your fear. The fear was the wind, the waves, what was going to happen to me. A, a faith response fears God. And says, I have such a reverence for God, I'm going to obey His word. It's a moment. These men had one. You and I have them. We have them all the time. We can't control them, we can't change them, but we can, with God's grace and God's help, redirect our fear from fear circumstances, from fear of whether God cares or not to faith and if you would, a fear of God that leads us to say he's in control, I'm going to trust him so we stop a fearful response, we begin a faith response, how do you do that Uh, I, I would direct you back to verse 35 again and the first thing to do would be contemplate God's promises what has God said? Now, I know God doesn't say anything about, a lot of people are struggling with the COVID. God doesn't say anything in his word about specifically, okay, about cancer. God doesn't say anything in his word about, uh, you know, a car wreck or some other situation or problem that may come in life. God doesn't say in his word specifically about these things, but God always has and God has given principles that help, help us know how we're supposed to live life and to be godly. All things that pertain to life and godliness he's given us that come through a knowledge of him. So if I come to a circumstance in life and I have no idea what the Bible has to say, then my first response has to be, what has God said? And what does God want me to do? And then the second thing I need to do is start acting upon it in Faith, because tests are faith moments. Say it with me, all right? Tests are faith moments. So The question is, are you going to exercise faith in what God has said? And if you don't know, then you start there. What has God promised about your situation? What truth does the Bible reveal that you can act upon? Uh, God has never promised to end the storm. So maybe prayer for removal is not appropriate. It may not be an act of faith to say, God, remove this. On the other hand, there may be times it is an act of faith where I stand trusting God because I believe he's directed and I can say, peace be still. I haven't been able to do that myself personally yet with any storm. But I do know that there have been times where God has, I believe, given wisdom and direction where I have confidence that God wants a certain action, a certain direction to be taken. And he's rewarded that. So I need to first, if you would, uh, contemplate God's promise if I'm going to have a faith response because I can't respond in faith to something I don't know. And then second... I need to consider God's power. I love the fear response in verse 41. You say, is fear wrong? No, fear was wrong, but it wasn't wrong in this passage. Do, do you see that? Isn't that kind of interesting? Fear was wrong. He rebuked them for fear, but he didn't rebuke them for the second fear because the fear they had was, was right. They said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Here, here is the truth. When I have faith in God, I have faith in the one who can turn the circumstances. He doesn't promise that he will. He doesn't always end the storm. It would be nice if he did, wouldn't it? But what he has promised, and Paul had to learn this as he prayed about it a number of times about his sword in the flesh, that God may not remove it. If God doesn't remove it, he has the strength. He has the grace. Meet the storm face on. Day in and day out, as long as the storm continues, until it's over. That's understanding that God has spoken, fearing and revering him enough that I say, okay, God, I'm going to take it you at your word. Now, I, I, I readily admit, this is easy to talk about. It's easy to say from the pulpit, just like it'd be easy for you to tell some friend, well, just trust God. Because you probably told someone that it's not so easy to do, but that's what God is looking for. What God was looking for from these men, because Jesus criticized it, was look, why are you so fearful? If you had just believed my word, we would have made it to the other side, and your faith would have strengthened. Even if you didn't see the wind or have the wind stop and have the waves calm, they, they, you know what? They didn't need that. They just needed to believe God. And I'm thankful that Jesus acted in spite of that and taught them something about his mighty power. And it's great because the passage reminds us that my God is able He can turn my circumstance. He can turn my situation. He could turn it tomorrow. I don't know what you have, but I I know that God can heal cancer without the help of any medicine. My God has the ability to do exceeding abundantly above what I could ever ask him or even think about. And this passage reminds me of that truth. But here's the, the fact of the matter is if God keeps giving me the storm, I still need to have faith in him and in his word and trust them that if I'm doing what he's told me to do, he'll always keep his word. Do you know where the disciples got the next day? This is profound. You, you ready? I know you, you probably haven't thought about this. They got to the other side. Why did the disciples cross the sea? To get to the other side. And they did. Because his God took care of them. And, and I, I, I can guarantee you this, not because of me or my ability or anything else, but because, because I know the God of heaven, he will not fail You. Your problems, faith moments, always. So, will you believe God or not? And may um, our determination be to see the God who controls the winds who controls the waves and trusts his word let's bow our heads and close our eyes without a doubt like me I'm a human being too I don't like storms don't want storms wouldn't have wanted to face what the disciples did in Mark chapter 4, but if you're a human being, you battle with the very same thing whether you're going to believe God or not in every storm of life. Today, maybe God spoke to your heart about the better faith moment, and maybe there's some things you should be doing, even about circumstances that are going on right now in your life, or maybe just in preparation for what might come down the road. But if God's spoken to you about something, I want to encourage you to respond to it and to let him change you. And maybe just changing your perspective about the storms of life that come your way. Whatever it is God's worked in your heart about, then today is the day to leave it with God, to talk to him about it, and then to determine to be different. Maybe you see that you're like the disciples and something needs to change in your response to your problems. And this would be a good day to get into your Bible, dig into it, find answers, and start trusting what God has said. And I want to encourage you to do that. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this beautiful story that illustrates not just your wonderful power, just your great ability and who you are, and that you were God, that you control the elements but also teaching us today that the problems we face should not cause us to say, God, do you care? But there are faith moments where we need to focus on what you have said and trust your word. And I pray that that would be what your people do in the trials that come even this week. We ask these things in Christ's name heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Uh, don't look around. If you, can, if you can, if you're able right now, just stand to your feet, would you? If you're able to do that, just stand to your feet. We're going to have a hymn of invitation, an opportunity, and maybe you just need to get on your knees before God and say, Lord, uh, help me to see my trials faithful. Maybe today it just needs to be something you need to cement, some decision in your mind about a trial you're facing, about one, ones maybe that you haven't faced yet, but you want that, that trusts God and looks to his word and sees problems as a faith rather than a does God care moment. And if God's worked in your heart, this is with him as he begins to play right now. Why don't you talk to him about it, right where you're at. Just kneel where you're at, sit down or come forward, spend some time, talk to the Lord about it and leave determined to be a believer who has faith in God in the storms of life. Father, I thank you that you are a God that does indeed care about us, that you have given us a a book, an infallible book that has truth for life, that in the greatest storms of life we can rely upon, we can look to, and I pray, Lord, exhibit faith in. And may we understand and see the trials of life as faith moments, and may we this week be people who believe God find the great blessing of the Lord taking care of the situation for his glory as we believe him. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you handle the faith moments right. You're dismissed.